Hello, and welcome to the Common Geeking Program. We are a book club style Yo, Jeff, podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you finish. But you before that, I got to say, before that, I got to say, the Mermaid Sisters should have won Mars's bright, Brightest Night. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking, that's honestly, excellent are you, lyrics. Are you fucking, are you Kanyeing my Swift right now? Yes. You're, you're Kanyeing my Swift. I hate everything about that shit. sentence you just said, Jeff. <laughs> Well, I hate have been I hate to have been the victim of it, <laughs> honestly. So, <laughs> we are a book club style podcast where each episode we discuss a different topic from our own geeky and nerdy perspectives. That topic, of course, will illuminate some of the shenanigans that we just throw out there. Because Chowder's just dropping names like the Mermaid Sisters before we even... I mean, that's probably a real band, right? <laughs> yeah, no, not anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am your host, Jeff Levitt, and this week we are going to be taking a look at the uh, the anime series Carol and Tuesday. Specifically the first season. Um, and this time around, I'm joined by my two fellow nerds who can introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Timel Chowdhury, or Chowder. Whichever you prefer. Hello, I'm Austin. I haven't done this in a while, but this is going to be fun. It's been it's been a busy day. I don't know about you guys. Just been playing Minecraft. I cleaned so, my car. Pretty busy. Oh, nice. You have a car? I forgot you had a car. Yeah. Uh, I was in an aesthetics conference thing all afternoon, so that's interesting. And uh, yeah, kind of really? preparation for what's going on here. It's like a series that one of my old professors is doing uh, with a bunch of people. And uh, this week, w- it, people presented papers on aesthetics and ethics and stuff, and that was interesting. And I guess it's going to continue throughout the summer. Like, in relation to each other? I mean, it, it, that's not an uncommon yeah. thing in philosophy you call the whole like value theory it would be the overarching umbrella that includes among other things aesthetics and ethics gotcha well that no is... not what we're, well but we're, we're gonna do some of it uh yeah how what about uh what we're doing today all right well first of all we're gonna start off by summarizing and discussing our little topic here and then we'll end off with a good old rating section where we can decide uh you know what what our opinions are on the topic whether it's worthwhile and enjoyable And, uh, yeah, other than that, we can just jump on into the summary. All right, so uh, I'm actually going to have Chowder kind of lead the summary here because he's the one who brought this topic to our sort of uh, attention. And boy, am I glad he did. Spoilers (laughs) for the rating section, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Chad, do you want to... Yeah. Yeah, ahead. Carol and Tuesday is a 24-episode anime that uh, uh, was partially produced by Netflix. Uh, originally aired on... Was it a manga first? Uh, no, it was actually anime first. It nice. would be kind of weird if it were oh, a manga first, actually. Yeah. Because, like, part of the whole conceit. Because of all the music? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so, yeah, originally on Fuji TV and then brought over to Netflix later on. It is directed by Shinichiro Watanabe, who you may know for Cowboy Bebop, Samurai Champloo, Hachiko no Michin. I cannot remember the other the other show he made. Yeah, and uh, Carol on Tuesday takes place 50 years in the future. Christ, is it only 50? It's... Yeah. 
In a lot of ways, it's a little bit optimistic. Yeah, I was gonna say. like Nothing wrong with that. I... I don't understand why series that take place in the future are always like, this will happen in 20 years. And it's just like, no, the fuck it won't. Shut up. Just make it like two, like two centuries and give it a fucking break. Like, you know, anyway, that that's neither here nor there. I mean, <laughs> even two centuries is kind of generous for terraforming Mars. It yeah, turns out true. it's actually very impractical. I mean, not to mention those advances in AI. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well anyways yeah it takes place on a terraformed the best mars, kind of mars uh and we follow sorry continue I mean, mars hasn't been terraformed, yeah and it would I be think. so much better if it no, were no. like we could have martians so uh, you can continue sounds uh starting to sound real colonial of you there austin <laughs> uh, yeah so we followed our two main characters carol and tuesday as the name of the show would apply uh tu- tuesday is uh uh, like a lonely rich girl who who ran away from home because she just did not feel like she had the freedom to pursue her dreams of becoming a musician. And uh, Carol is a refugee from Earth who... Uh, I'm going to just wait for that phone to stop yeah. ringing. I guess so while we're waiting for that, uh, I do want to say, I mean, it is the it is the fantasy... But it doesn't count as actual colonialism if it is an actually empty planet first, okay? (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. (laughs) Empty as far as we know. If only we found Martian mole people. Then we could really colonialize those fuckers. (laughs) So yeah, and uh, Carol is a refugee from Earth, and they both in... Uh, aspire to be singer-songwriters and, you know, by pure chance they meet each other and find a connection between each other and so they form the group Carol and Tuesday and the series mostly follows them on their uh, journey of becoming becoming uh, musicians, uh, singers. Uh, you know, we see their very attempt, various attempts to, to uh, get noticed, they, eventu- they eventually uh, uh, sign up for a TV show, talent a TV show, American Idol type thing. Yeah, American Idol type thing, and and you know, eventually, as they start releasing their first album, and eventually ending off on them uh, doing a giant collaboration project that, uh, in order to speak out against a oppressive Martian government, and that that is the basic gist of Carolyn Tuesday. I recommended this show to you guys because, like, this is the thing I like about doing this podcast. It gives me a chance to like get people to watch something that I think is really good, <laughs> but it'd be difficult to describe just what it is that makes it so good. Because, uh, like, on the surface, oh, well, I guess learning about Mars, but from the perspective of two singers, uh, might yeah. be a bit of a hard sell. Well. But, like, but, like, in doing so, it gives a very down-to-earth feel, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, Down to Mars. <laughs> Uh, it gives them down-to-earth feel, and, like, uh, you know, the future that they've imagined is uh, really interesting, because it feels like something that could happen, minus the terraforming of Mars. Like, it, like, because, like, in this future, a lot of the jobs have been replaced with AI. Like, uh, at one point, Carol says that most jobs don't really have people working at it, and uh, what jobs there are tend to be service jobs, where, like, either you need the creativity of a person, you need someone to overlook the AI, 
or you just need, want a person, a human face behind it, such as a waiter or a uh, or a maid or whatever. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I think is really interesting about the show, and like the thing that I'm most like intrigued about with it, is I I like this sort of setup of having a sort of a somewhat innocuous story take place in a fantasy like not fantasy like fantasy sci-fi world and not really have it be overly about yeah. that you know what yeah. i mean because like it's about things that could be like the show you know you could just like copy and paste parts from the script and just have it set today and it would make yeah. total fucking sense right minus like a few details here and there so it's yeah. kind of interesting to have it you know sort of somewhat unnecessarily so but i think in a good way take place in the future on mars because i don't know it allows them to like throw in like a couple of unexpected twists here and there and make like as a lot of good sci-fi does like sort of make comparisons and connections to like things we're dealing with yeah. right now yeah absolutely absolutely like it is a vision of the future that involves some of the stuff that's going on with uh, what's going on with us right now. Like, sometimes when I'm watching sci-fi, I'm just like, it's nice and all, but, like, cyberpunk doesn't necessarily reflect the kind of world we live in now, or Star Wars doesn't necessarily kind of what? reflect the world we live in now, <laughs> Star Trek. Yeah. Um, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> uh, because, but, but because, like, Star Trek was originally made in the 60s, so it has, like, the sensibilities of the 60s behind it. Or Next Generation had the sensibilities of the fuck this phone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> fuck this phone. Whose phone is it? Is that just the... Mine. That is, that's the landline? That is just the... Oh, that's... that's landline. That seems like a really good idea for, like, a week. <laughs> <laughs> totally agreed with uh, agreed with i i guess both of you on that uh that i mean that's what we do with sci-fi and fantasy and we we use it to talk about the world that we live in today idea a lot of the time anyway and uh, i don't know i did find myself even though this is an entirely different tone and completely different uh content and actually like very little about it is the same except that it is set also set in the future but um the way that like I've only watched the first season, so I don't know exactly what happens in season two. But what, from what you're telling me, uh, I'm not going to try. I'm trying not to spoil anything for people who haven't watched it yet and or like make any predictions. But um, from the way that it starts out and from what you've alluded to, it seems it remind it has reminded me uh, at at times of uh, of this podcast that I like called uh, Within the Wires. Um, which is much darker and which also something else that I like about Carolyn Tuesday is just generally like there's drama going on, but overall uh, the story of the main characters is just like constantly uplifting in some way, which is just yeah. relaxing at this time. Yeah. It finds a striking balance where uh, one hand it is a warm and fuzzy feel good kind of show. On the other hand, shit does get yeah. kind of real. And I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I like that. Like, a lot of, especially in season one, like, a lot of the sort of, like, plot-driving fucked-up things that happen doesn't actually happen to them. It happens to their their yeah. rival, you know? Yeah. <laughs> We're getting, like, a lot of, like, more in-depth story from her. And then, meanwhile, Carol and Tuesday are just, like, kind of letting everything, like, roll off their shoulders. And then it makes it even more powerful whenever they have a moment that it gets more serious, too. Because, like, you're used to seeing them kind of, like 
happy and just kind of like going along with all the nonsense that's happening yeah, all it's the really time. Cool though, just because like <laughs> it's not super central to the plot, the stuff that is happening to Angela, because like she could just come in as a rival figure later, yeah. right? Uh, Angela, for anyone who hasn't right, seen it, yeah. seen it being like the big rival for our uh, our good friends Carol and Tuesday to be in the singing competition. She was like a child star and uh, what's it called? A model? Yeah, uh, she yeah model, she was a model yeah. model turned By... uh, singer who because uh... like the big the big c- competitors with Carol and Tuesday are all the sort of like up com- up and coming artists and like they're pitted against Angela. Like, they're kind of two nobodies who no one's ever heard of. And Angela's, like, this person who's been famous for years who just recently decided to become a singer. So it's kind of interesting to see, like, that dichotomy where, like, they're both new, but Angela's much more experienced. (laughs) Yeah, and the other big dichotomy is that uh, Angela and many other performers use, utilize AI in their integration of their music while uh, Carol and Tuesday can't afford that ai and so they have to make their songs i mean and it's not just that too i mean i think that this is very intentional that carolyn tuesday are creating songs uh that they feel deeply about where other people manufacture songs and manufacture their musical abilities in other ways as well yeah yeah and it's really exemplified through angela because like our introduction to her being a singer right is that she goes and meets this guy named Tao, who is the best fucking character. He's pretty in the whole damn show, good, especially in season two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially he's just yeah, like, like this emotionless, like logic-driven guy. But his sole purpose is basically to like use AI to like algorithmically create the perfect music, right? So he's the one who kind of like writes and or like quote unquote writes like produces all of Angela's songs for her, and then she just actually performs them. Yeah, he's the one who owns the. He owns the intellectual rights to the AI that he has created that makes all the music. He 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 is the classic anime smart guy, right down to the gl- to the glasses <laughs> Glare, that have yeah. way too much fucking glare on them. Yes. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean I really fell in love with him in season two, and we won't talk about that too much. But he's just a lot. I'm of fun. super into him as uh, as a character who exists, uh, but like in. The last couple episodes of season one, he makes a decision that makes me like, oh, okay, no, this is a real character. I love what's going on here. Uh, when he admits to making a snap decision about a song that Angela has to sing for the competition. Um, and it's like, oh, so there's there's a little more going on under the hood here, as it were. Yeah. And like, you know, even like on the whole real music versus manufactured AI music, it doesn't actually make it black and white as in oh, one is good, one's really bad, Uh, but rather understanding that it's a tool that is used. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, it sort of becomes, like, it it becomes Carol and Tuesday's sort of uniqueness, but it doesn't, like, invalidate its use with the other performers, necessarily. Yeah, like, a good example is with Angela, who, like, uh, yeah, there is a sort of artificiality to her songs, but at the same time, there is a reason her kind of music does get popular. Because it's really fucking catchy. Move Mountains is actually really fucking catchy. And I think it would have been really easy for the series to just, like, cast her as this one-dimensional asshole who just, like, makes all this fake music that she doesn't write herself and is just popular because, like, that's just the popular music and, like, kind of shit on pop in that way. But they... 
they make her a really interesting fleshed out character who's like at times is an asshole and at times yeah. you're kind of rooting for her. Yeah. So it's like I appreciate that sort of like well-roundedness to all of the characters that aren't just, you know. Yeah, and like the entire soundtrack is pretty good. Like every everything yes. is yeah. Um, uh, like I don't know. I don't think that all of the songs are like hits and I'm not going to go look them up to listen to them, but like yeah. everything is at least kind of catchy and it's 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 pretty nice. Although let me yeah. say watching it in Japanese with subtitles all of the music being in English was kind of weird because everyone's voice just gets completely different. <laughs> oh, it's the same in the dub. That's true. <laughs> so that okay. Well, I guess yeah, it's because all the music is performed by, you know, or all the music is performed by actual uh, performers while while the voice acting is Which done is by fair, voice actors. But it's just I think weird. it's most it's most <laughs> notable with uh with Tuesday who has kind of got like the sort of classic anime like really really meek shy girl voice and then when she starts singing it's just like oh okay you're like performing like a person with confidence (laughs) and then like immediately after that they'll have her like hiding behind somebody it's just like who are you trying to yeah, fool? Well, I thought, to me, honestly, the <laughs> more surprising one is Carol, because, like, her singing voice, I thought, sounds way deeper and richer than her character voice does, at least in Japanese. I, yeah, at least in Japanese. I don't know. I watched the, the English version, so I, I, she sounded a little bit more spot on to me in English. Yeah, though. I mean, to the show's defense, like, I've definitely seen people who, like, uh, do have, like, uh, who do come off as very meek and shy, but then, like, once they start performing, it's like they lose themselves. Hell, even uh, Jimmy yeah, Hendrix is a lot, a lot like that, like, in interviews, you know? Like, if you ever uh, watch interviews with J- Jimmy he's Hendrix... Like he's like little kawaii uh, anime Jimmy Hendrix, lot- and then you see him on stage, and it's, stage and it's completely <laughs> different. <laughs> yes, exactly. Kawaii anime Jimmy uh, Hendrix. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, like, Carol and Tuesday... It's it's really fun and it it kind of shuffles through a lot of different equally successful yeah. tones I would say. Yeah. Cuz like, you know, I'm watching the show I'm like, oh, this is a nice kind of like feel good anime and then it has moments where it gets like really real and then it has moments like the fucking mermaid sisters that are just like anime off the wall bonkers. But just a hell of a song. <laughs> and, and really that entire that entire like last part of the season with the game sh- with the uh the music show in general like I was laughing my ass off throughout that entire thing. Yeah. Like during the auditions yeah. too with all the like Yeah, although to weirdos. be so this is actually something <laughs> that the, well this is there, there are, like, a couple things that I just honestly did not enjoy that much about the series. And I thought that there were lots of funny things that were going on in the competition and in the uh, the tryouts for it, right? But, like, I also felt like uh, mm. this show was, like, it was just, especially in before, um, especially in the tryouts, like, they were just super, uh, super quick to have, like, the punch of the joke be, like, someone who is fat or someone who's gender non-conforming trying to do something, which was kind of weird. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, yeah, Chowder and I talked about that a little bit, too, is that, like, it, it made, it had some typical sort of anime tropes and ideas that were a little bit trans-exclusive. Very... Like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Is De- does Desmond show up uh, in season one or season I don't two? think. Yeah, season two. Desmond shows up. Desmond, in season um, two. But I mean, like okay. the the character. Uh, yeah. Well, 
I mean, I mean, we can still discuss together. It's not a huge spoiler, yeah. So, so there's this character named Desmond in series two, who's like this legendary singer who's like, you know, left the music industry years ago and just oh, lives classic. in his secluded mansion or whatever. Um, and Carol and Tuesday get an invite to go to his house, um, right, to meet him, which is like this big honor. And they go and meet him, and he's this really, really sweet guy or person, rather. It was just getting good, getting in with what I'm talking about. But um, so they sort of present themselves as no, uh, gender fluid, like not not yeah, gender fluid. But, like, but it's a little bit like sort of connected to this fatal disease that they have. What maybe question mark? Question mark? Uh, yeah, it's like so they're talking about this like this disease that they have that's like put them in a put them in a wheelchair, right? And then like mention how. Like, oh, like, over the years, their gender just went away. Like, they were born a man, but then they became more whole because, like, their their gender came together. And they, was, Which is, like, if they had just said it in that way on its own, it's like, okay, whatever. This guy, this person is trans, and that's totally fine. That's a cool way of presenting it, right? But it was sort of presented as, like, a, a byproduct of this disease that they have. And it was still, like, ultimately shown in, like, a, you know, like, a transcendent light, like, in sort of, like, a positive way. But it was a little bit, like, weirdly connected to the fatal yeah, disease, which is, was kind of not it's cool. It's a little, like, yeah, I don't know. And, like, then we have... Yeah, Dahlia is, like, a whole... There's a whole thing going on there. I do want to know um, what... So, uh, in the English version... Um, what does Tao mm -hmm. use to threaten Dahlia? Because, so... In the, in the English version, he says, like, uh... You're androgynous. Like, I, something about him, her, there being, her being androgynous. Uh, he, he said that, like, the Mar Martian environment has affected her hormones or something. And that's... Odd. Yeah, so, because in, in yeah. the Japanese, the translation in the subtitles was, they said, hermaphrodite. And I was like, I was just reading this as a, tran as a Dahlia being they, trans, but, like, I guess yeah, they, now it's intersex and they, whatever. They, okay. This is our... Well, they so, don't say hermaphrodite in the English dubs. So, yeah, yeah. They just that, talk about her yeah. being androgynous. But, like, and then in season two, there is a photo of... No, that's in season one. This is something else that I wanted to talk about. Because, like, when I was thinking, when I was... So, when they first bring this up and they say hermaphrodite, I'm like, okay, uh, Dahlia is intersex, and that's important to Martian politics somehow. Like, that's unacceptable. Uh, but also, Dahlia's been arrested yeah. for assaulting people, and I'm like, okay, what's going on here? Is that just, like, a thing that they're going to leave alone? And then they yeah. didn't leave it alone, and it was like, we see the picture, which is apparently Dahlia previously, assumedly under a different name, presenting as a man posing with Angela. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, so we have yeah. one trans person in this show who is an abusive uh, parent to uh, a child star. Excellent. And I, I, I don't know. I go back and forth on Dahlia, because they, like... It, it seems like half the time they want to just accept her as a, a character who's kind of stern, and then the other half they're like, oh, she was, like, a huge negative influence on Angela's life. But, like, I, I think they kind of redeem her in the end, but, yeah, it's a little rough to have the muddiest character. I, I mean, I guess the idea yeah. is they want to depict her in a human light, not, like, a yeah. perfect angel or a evil demon, just a person. Uh, but, and, like, you know, and those dicey depictions are kind of frustrating frustrating because there are times when this show uh really does well with those kinds of 
depictions. Like, we have uh, Gus's ex-wife, who, uh, they have this really wonderful chemistry, and and where it's like, they still care about each other, but it's clear that, like, her sexuality was, that, uh, she's a a lesbian, and so, and so, like, that's why the relationship didn't work out, and, like, we see a very positive depiction of, like, yeah, uh, I mean, it's also, it could be, you know, uh, yeah. she could be bi or pan or whatever else you want to say, but, like, it is, that is something that did surprise me after this stuff with, like, Dahlia being introduced, is like, oh, we just have positive representations of same-sex relationships, that's cool, I guess, but it makes the other stuff a little yeah, bit and, like, more confusing to me, even though, like, I know that people separate the issues and stuff and, uh, don't apply... Yeah. The same standards. Well, I, but the thing is, like... Uh, r- wait, real quick, real quick. Fuck J.K. Rowling. I just want to get that out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I, I mean, as much as it's pre- depicted kind of strangely with Desmond, it is depicted as, like, a very positive yeah. thing yeah, for like the he, character. Yeah, like, he is... He is... Con- <laughs> or, they. Or, 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 they, yeah, you're right. I don't know how he... Uh, they identify... Yeah, they. I think they use they in the episode with Desmond. They depict Desmond as in a really positive light as someone yeah uh someone to be respected and admired so yeah, cool. you know yeah and it's like it like even the the aspect of Desmond being transgender is depicted positively it's just a little weird that they chose to depict it not just as positive like a natural thing that happens positively but as this like transcendent unnatural like you know weird thing that happened to Desmond that makes them really unique yeah, to everyone yeah. else. You know, it's like, there yeah. there just are trans people, right? So, like, you didn't have to make it some, like, weird holy thing. You know? <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it's not just that there are trans people, you've just shown them to yeah. us. <laughs> and it's just like, it it, 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 like, though it depicts it... They're just not rich. Though it depicts it as positive, it still depicts it as other is yeah. the issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. But, like, there's two ways to alien... There's two ways to alienate a person. It's... By demonizing them or angelicizing them, you know. Yeah, and you know, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like these are huge over. I, I think that like both depictions of Dahlia and Desmond have both positive and negative attributes to them. the The negative ones are just like a bit more. It, it, it spoils it a little bit, but I think both characters, you know, have interesting sort of. You know, like they're they're treated like people. It's they're not demonized yeah. or anything. Yeah. It's just like it sort of feels like a good, honest attempt from someone who still doesn't totally understand the situation. Yeah, is it, how it feels to me. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it stands out only because the show really succeeds in having a diverse uh, diverse setting, both in cast yeah. and in just the uh, uh, setting of the world of Mars. Because like Mars is very multi is a very multicultural place. It's got uh, people from all different kinds of uh, countries and cultures and religions and skin colors, and it is just depicted as a very normal thing, which is, I think, pretty uh, unique in anime because it tends to be anime tends to be kind of homogenous, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. which Ooh. is like a quality of Shinichiro Watanabe's uh, works where there is a sort of global aspect to. I mean, I do think it's it's interesting how, correct me if I'm wrong, but every single one of the Earth refugees that we see is black, which is only, what, three characters, I think, being um, Carol, her father, and uh, uh, well, Austin. Friend. I don't think yeah. they haven't met, met they the haven't other two met yet. yet in part yeah. one, but... uh, it's all it's all right. And though, uh, yeah, like... Carol's friend who ends up being a 
competing singer in season two. Yeah, but there are, uh, I remember there being, like, background characters who are refugees and not black, so. Yeah, no, I I just think it's an interesting comparison, because, like, when talking about refugees, it's it's interesting that they made the place that they're refugees from Earth, right? Because yeah. <laughs> it's at the same time, it's it, it's like giving this narrative of like like we you know, we came from another another country to be in America, right? So like, how should we be shitting on other people who are trying to come from other countries to come here? And it's sort of like comparing that. It's just like yeah. now the other place they're coming from is the planet Earth, where we all definitely fucking live right now, right? <laughs> so it's it's kind of yeah. you know showing this narrative of like. You know, all these snooty people living on Mars thinking of themselves as elite and like, you know, how the refugees yeah. are like a problem. And it's just like this is sort of directly pointing us to, to think about how, you know, anti-refugee people in America. Right. Like, even though it's a you know Japanese anime, but, you know, it still have, has a lot of those. Like Japan is running through similar problems with America with like overly nationalistic, xenophobic people and yeah. a problem with refugees and a problem with embracing embracing other people uh so you know i think it applies both to japan and america uh and surprisingly at least two other countries (laughs) on earth Uh, right now uh, go count them it's gonna be more than two i I guarantee applicable to several countries you know you know canada (laughs) the uk france uh just about every goddamn white country uh yeah yeah you got there's a lot. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, but this this isn't a political show. It is totally not political. <laughs> it has no applicability to our own world <laughs> of the modern day. Like that that like uh, political figure that's trying to who keep the refugees out as a way to boost their popularity with the people. Never seen it in real life before. Complete yeah, fabrication. <laughs> that's yeah, like a fucking. I, I, it had, season two had me really questioning exactly when it was written and how quickly, cause like it is surprise, well, not like overly surprising, cause like a lot of these things have been building up for a while, but it definitely felt like something that was written in the past like three weeks, which is, it wasn't, but you know what I mean? Like <laughs> no, it was this, very, this show's been around for a yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, granted, the fact that like Tuesday's mom is clearly a dead ringer for Hillary Clinton probably, yeah. uh, probably yeah. brings it. Uh, back a little, but no, everything in uh, Carol on Tuesday feels super fucking relevant to right the fuck now. Yeah. From, you know, from the refugee crisis to the uh, xenophobia to the job loss to the and uh, economic especially, disparity. Yeah. And most notably, the uh, the song by the Mermaid Sisters feels the most relevant to me. <laughs> look, look, man, yeah. if a bunch of gender fluid people singing profanities in perfect harmony does not is not a fucking mood i don't know what is <laughs> if uh, if you're listening to this podcast right now just uh, you know t- just take a minute pause go on to youtube and just type in um the mermaid sisters song from carol on tuesday and uh, you're welcome uh, uh, don't uh, watch uh, it near uh, your uh, grandmother uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's very good fucking and is now bullshit. going to be my fucking reaction bullshit. to everything <laughs> okay yeah. holy shit what the fuck man <laughs> <laughs> it's very good um all right well i mean that was a pretty good discussion you guys want to shimmy on over to the rating section hell yeah hey, yeah we discussed it hell yeah
All right. Thank you both for a very musical and uplifting discussion. Uh, now we are going to be moving on to the rating section where each of us are going to rate the topic on a scale from one to ten. Hmm. All right. Let's think about this. What What should the scale be? I mean, my gut reaction was... Uh, AI freeloader scams? That's good. That's good. My gut reaction was, was one to ten mermaid sisters, but... Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. I'm, I'm content with that. I like the freeloader scam one, though. That was a... <laughs> that... <laughs> Like, I was talking to Chowder about this, too, that I don't know if you've seen any of um, the most recent Pokemon anime, the Sun and the sun and Moon one. Well, it's not the most recent one. Most recent not the most, actually, yeah. Because, like, they moved on to... Uh, oh, have uh, they already? Yeah, yeah they've already. Yeah. Well, I knew they had announced it. I didn't know that they yeah. had gotten there yet. But um, it's not the same voice actor at all, but that little robot from that one episode gives off major Rotom Dex energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like they have like a neat little uh shout out to uh space dandy in uh one in one of the episodes involving that ai scammer robot because like he's like watching something on a iphone-esque device and like you know they're showing like a bit from space dandy and it, i don't know i thought that was a cute reference yeah no i mean they have a lot of fun little uh, cultural references that are even beyond shows made by the same people. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. How is one to ten Mermaid Sisters? Chowder, yeah, hit me with your, with your thoughts first. Yeah. You know what? Uh, this show is really good. It's very uplifting and warm, but like at the same time, it also doesn't shy away from real issues. It is very relevant to our own day it has got a unique setting that uh really takes advantage of the both the sci-fi-esque nature and the slice of life kind of uh feel it was going for so i'm gonna i'm gonna go out and say it gets 10 mermaid sisters out of 10 all right perfect perfect mermaid sister from chowder austin how you feeling yeah um hmm. so i haven't had to rate things like a like a like a robot for a while (laughs) um i don't know i think so when i think of my rating i'm i'm thinking of it as like my confidence in suggesting this show this piece of media to someone else and it's definitely up there i'm not sure if i want to say like an 8.5 or a 9 because like so much of it is so good but also like i on the off chance that like I don't want to say, like, uh, that everyone I know would be like, yeah, this is my jam, you know? Because on the one hand, like, aside from the genre things, like, maybe if you're some weirdo who thinks that slice of life type shit is not for you or whatever, you don't like music, maybe, (laughs) or you like music too much. I mean, uh, if you if you like music too much, this might be the show for you. It's just chock full of music references. Well, no, but I mean, they might be too critical of the music. Uh to really enjoy it is my concern there but i don't know more importantly some of like because like some of the representation the representation stuff with regards to gender and sexuality is really good and some of it is just not it, yeah. and that might be super jarring for someone so i don't know uh i can say 8.75 <laughs> that's halfway in between I fucking I, I i make it a one out of ten scale instead of a one out of five scale so that we're not doing any of this point five <laughs> shit and then you hit me with a point seven five. <laughs> 
Um, uh, yeah, yeah just be like fucking bullshit. Fucking <laughs> bullshit. I think I'd yeah I don't know I'd land probably in the eight range. There are two main issues for me. I really liked the show. Uh, one the 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 sort of dicey stuff with with the trans representation is is a little bit un- unfortunate, I would say, for the yeah. otherwise very positive tone of the show. And then my other big thing is, man, I just, I was so upset when I got to the last episode, not knowing it was the last episode, and then it was the last episode. <laughs> oh my god, same. I really wish the show was longer, happens. and I'm not gonna yeah. say which, because that would spoil that it didn't happen, but there was a big ship that I really wanted to happen, which is kind of rare for me in media. Usually I'm just like, whatever, I'll go with whatever they tell me. But there was two characters that I really wanted to get together, and they just, they didn't do it, and it made me really sad. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, so that that seems like the general consensus. It still, you know, has a couple issues, but it's still pretty, pretty good, and I, I liked it a lot. Um, but that's just go- going to wrap it up for us today, folks. Thank you for listening to the Common Geeking program. Again, I have been your host, Jeff Levitt, and uh, you can find me. I've got an Instagram called Things I Wish Existed, and there's a dot between each word. And I've been joined by uh, Chowder and Austin. Do either of you have some stuff you'd like to toss out into the ether? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at TimeWillChowdery. Uh, I don't have that much to toss out. I mean, you can try to find me, and you'll probably succeed if you put, like, more than ten minutes into it, but it's not, I don't know. not making it that easy. (laughs) All right, our next episode will be airing on the third Friday in July, which is the 17th. (laughs) Definitely what I said the first time. Um, (laughs) And, uh... But and it will have another common briefing program on the first Friday in July, which will be the third. So tune in for that if you're interested. And uh, thanks for listening, subscribing, sharing, everything else. And we'll talk to you next month. Holy shit. What the fuck? The Common Geeking Program is hosted by Jeff Levitt, joined this episode by Timel Chaudhry and Austin Liebers. This episode is sponsored by Face Masks. Keep wearing them, please. The podcast is created and produced by Colin Ketchin and Jeff Levitt, and features original music by Colin Ketchin. This episode was edited by me, Timel Chaudhry. We'd love for you to stay engaged with us on social media at Geeking Program or by using hashtag CGP. If you want to know more about us and all of our other projects, head to commongeekingprogram.com. Stay in touch, stay tuned, and as always, thank you for listening to this podcast. Ciao!